welcome to Are We There Yet? MarketScale's online video podcast series that explores the most exciting companies and technologies in transportation today. My name is Grant Harrell, and as your host, I'll speak with the executives, entrepreneurs, and engineers in transportation that are truly defining the next generation of transportation. I'm very excited today uh, for our topic, uh, speaking with the chief executive officer and founder of VR Engineers, Merrick Polchak, and very excited to have him on the show today. Uh, Merrick, thank you so much for your time, and welcome to Are We There Yet? Thank you. Thank you for hosting me. Of course. Well, it's really a pleasure to have you here and so excited to learn more about VR Engineers, a really next generation flight simulation technologies for military and professional pilots. Uh, would love to just jump right into things, uh, Marek, and, and ask you, next generation virtual and mixed reality training systems for military and professional pilots. Are we there yet? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it started with basically mobile phone technologies in general. Because with their development and progress, they uh, enabled a market for manufacturing of small factor, high resolution, high fidelity displays. And that in combination with new types of sensors like IMU sensors, you know, like gyroscopes, accelerometers, uh, together with few other technologies uh, like progress in graphical cards, it actually got us into the, I would say, a revolutionary point, uh, which allowed us to build virtual reality headsets, which are affordable and provide a high quality picture. Uh, and you are able to process it today together with the GPUs, with the, with the computers and with engines. So you had to reach the point where you have all these, I would say, puzzles all together uh, to be able to build these new types of virtual and mixed reality uh, trainers and simulators. Because uh, as you might know, uh, the normal or I would say legacy simulators are based on multiple data projectors. So you have like a lot of data projectors, they are synchronized and they are projected on this like dome sphere. But it has certain limitations. Uh, one of course being cost of purchase, another one maintenance, uh, but also uh, it has limitations for the depth perception. But with virtual and mixed reality, what we are able to do with headsets, we, when we put them on, we are able to project much higher fidelity, higher resolution, and you are finally able to look literally anywhere. You have, you have 360 degrees around you, which provides an incredible immersion for pilots. So I would say, yeah, we, we reached the point uh, where we will see continuous shift from the legacy simulators, data projector-based, uh, display-based, to virtual and mixed reality. And that's what we are experiencing now. And that's why I am so excited about it. You mentioned virtual and mixed reality, and, and many of us are, are familiar with virtual reality systems, but not so familiar with the mixed reality. Could you talk with us a little bit about that and, and help us to better understand exactly what mixed reality is? Yeah. Uh, so to understand mixed reality, let me just briefly describe, describe the virtual reality. With virtual reality, you basically put on some sort of device, the virtual reality headset, also known as HMD, head-mounted display because it's basically some optics in front of it is display and then the sensors to move around. Uh, but the idea is that you see only what's on the screen, right? 
So you are fully in some kind of simulated or artificial environment. It's also very often called synthetic training environment. Uh, but with mixed reality, what you do is you put uh, additional pass-through or front-facing cameras in front of the headset. So basically aligned with your eyes, you have here two additional cameras which are looking straight. And then you as developer or us as integrator of simulators, what we can do is that we can combine picture from cameras together with the simulation. And the, the way how it at the end works is that uh, you have real cockpit replica around you. So you sit in the cockpit, right? And you have all these instrumental panels connected to the simulator. But then uh, with the pass-through cameras, you see your hands, you see the instrumental panel, you are able to handle it, change the switches, uh, move the knobs, etc. But then uh, the cockpit, where it ends, it's cut out so the cockpit, the chassis, the, the fuselage, basically, and around you is fully immersive environment, the simulation. And on the on the click of the button, I'm able to to switch that you are now taxiing in uh, Abu Dhabi and then you are taking off in Nevada just by by clicking the switch. But you are still within the same cockpit, same airplane. You see your hands. You are able to interact with everything. But that's the future of the of the simulation and of the training because you are really able to change environments while you have all these haptical feedbacks uh, from all the switches and you can literally train anything. Very good. It's it's amazing to hear of the integration of all the different technologies and and the mixed reality is is especially fascinating to kind of combine the the virtual reality and and the next level um you know with with the real environments uh, just amazing to to learn more about that and and where we are today in in terms of training systems for pilots and I've been really fascinated to learn more about the history of flight simulation uh, systems and understand that that history has really advanced in parallel uh, to to aviation itself and really since the early days of of aviation um, that, uh, that that aviation companies uh, have been developing flight simulation uh, technologies and methods and going from you know cable and pulley systems to the early days to the virtual reality and now integrating the mixed reality technology uh, is is really just a fascinating history would would love to learn a little bit more from your perspective and and with some of your insights you know the the history of flight simulation and and just you know maybe an overview of of how that's advanced to the point of where it is today would you mind uh, sharing a little bit of the history with us yeah for sure it it started exactly as you said with very early uh, aviators because they 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 were inventors as well as pilots because they invented uh at that point, it wasn't airplane, it was, I would say, flying machine. And then, then they, they flew it because they were the only one who understood how it's supposed to work, right? So yeah. uh, th that was, I would say, very, very crazy times because at almost every, every point where you were trying to fly something, you, you can easily die. Today, we have regulation, we have FAA, we have EASA in Europe, and they are uh, basically making sure that every pilot is properly prepared. And part of that is, or, uh, of course, simulation training. And uh, with today's uh, new modern platforms, such as, for example, F-35, which is one seat uh, airplane, 
which has a lot of advanced features. But still, uh, you need to understand that if you are a pilot, you start on some uh, turboprop uh, airplane that you have uh, your instructor seated next to you or behind you and helping you, similar as when you've been through your driving license, right? Yeah. Uh, exams. But then when you go into the final platform like F-35, you're there in the cockpit alone and you want to make sure that you know about everything and you learn as much as possible. And that's why these new types of simulators, which provide high immersion, which enable you to train both uh, standard procedures, like how to uh, turn on all the systems, how to take off, but also they are able to train you uh, emergency procedures when something goes wrong, because it's always technology, regardless of how much effort and money we put into the development. There is always this period when all the aircrafts are getting better and evolve to something that's that's stable, that's, uh, that has literally zero malfunctions, but we need to get there. And we also need to improve the syllabus of, of the pilot training because it's also process. And if you are able to, to spend much more time in simulators to train, you are much better prepared you are not uh, in, in the stress that when something went wrong that you will panic or you will forget because you already been through that within the simulator. You had the same feelings more or less because the simulation is really very close to reality today. If, if you experience malfunction within our simulators, you bet that your heartbeat will go up as hell because you will be very uncomfortable uh, seeing that you are falling down from the sky. Sure, sure. That's incredible. It, 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 very, um, you know, interesting to hear um, how, you know, this is is really preparing. And with the technology today, um, you know, as, as you said, if there's a malfunction, um, you know, even has a direct effect on on, on your reaction and, and really feel as if you, you're, you're truly experiencing it. I, I would imagine that there are some in, incredible safety advantages to the developments of this type of technology and, um, you know, and protecting pilots' uh, lives, you know, uh, with this type of training would, would uh, enjoy learning a little bit more about that and, and some of the, the safety advantages uh, that have resulted, you know, from these types of simulation technologies that, that truly are so real. Yeah, it's it's uh, exactly about safety, you know. Uh, in general, simulators are not here to, uh, yeah, they, they were not developed to have fun or uh, or to to somehow get rid of pilots or anything. It's about getting pilots better prepared, so they are they have literally zero stress out of any situation that can happen. And therefore, they are able not only to, to react, uh, but they are also able to uh, basically enjoy the flight because they know exactly what to do. And they have this muscle memory, they have the procedural memory, and they don't need to be worried about anything. 
Sure, sure. Really interesting too um, that you have different variations of of your product and uh, and flight simulation technologies, and that there's a a classroom model, a, a portable model. Um, you know, even developing custom training solutions for different organizations. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the the different types of of simulation products and technologies that you offer? Yeah. So it starts with the the X-style virtual and mixed reality headset. Uh, that is always part of our simulators because that's the the headset that we designed and developed in a close cooperation with uh, the worldwide uh, group of pilots, of experienced pilots, both uh, from civil, from airlines, as well as uh, military. Uh, to point out a few, uh, U.S. Air Force pilots, uh, Royal Air Force pilots, uh, Luftwaffe pilots, a bunch of pilots around the world, also Navy pilots. Uh, and um, with this headset, we build multiple simulators. It starts with the portable one. That one uh, is basically a big pelican case uh, that hides uh, uh, construction, lightweight construction of the seed, uh, throttle, stick, uh, rudder pedals. And stick and throttle can be actually exchanged for cyclic and collective. So you are even able to like change the setup of this small sized simulator from helicopter, from rotary wing to fixed wing to, to a jet fighter or turboprop. And of wow. course, it allows you to mount different types of controllers because each aircraft has slightly different controls. Uh, so that's like the smallest one. That one we actually developed based on requirements of US Marine Corps. Uh, and it's it's very lightweight, so two people are able to lift it. Uh, one person like me is able to to move it around because it has small wheels at the back, so it's very very convenient. And nice. all of these simulators they are built to be under this uh, it's called RVCT, uh, so reconfigurable virtual collective trainer, meaning they can be connected together, and you can have if you have for example two of these. Connected, they uh, they can simulate pilot and co-pilot, or they can simulate two pilots uh, in their own aircrafts in the same airfield or in the different airfield. And the big advantage of that is actually that uh, one pilot can be on military base, the other one can be at home, or you mm -hmm. can have instructor on one side and then the trainee on the other side of the world because. Uh, the instructor is specialist on certain airplane and he needs to transfer knowledge and that's the easiest way to do it over the internet using the virtual and mixed reality technologies. Uh, sure. So in the future, we strongly believe that these types of small affordable uh, trainers, because this one starts around $60,000, including uh, seed controls, computer software, as well as the uh, as the headset and tracking system. Uh, so we believe that these, at the end of the day, most of the pilots of the uh, Air Force, Navy, will have at their disposal home. Because if another strike of COVID hits and they are unable to go to the uh, training facility to train, they will be able to do that from home. There are certain limitations because yeah, it's, it's uh, affordable uh, type of the simulator so it cannot simulate everything but still for the tactical training for mission training rehearsals it's it's worth the price uh, yeah. 
So that's the portable trainer, the small one, easy okay. to carry and easy to transport and deploy. Okay. And and what was the, the price on that one again, if you don't mind? It starts uh, at $60,000 and then okay. it depends on the type of uh, controllers. Okay. Very good. So that's the portable system. That's yep. the portable system. Then the bigger okay. one, the most, uh, I would say, modular one is the classroom trainer. That one uh, is made out of two parts, like the lower part is the cockpit replica, where you can have even instrumental panels mounted, and you are able to use it as a mixed reality trainer, so with the knobs, with the, the switches and everything. Uh, and the upper part, the lid, uh, you basically roll over and it becomes the instructor station with the uh, with the external display, with the computing unit, with uh, electricity cables and everything. And it's super convenient for installations within the Air Force bases or even aircraft carriers and uh, anywhere uh, where you don't want to make any adjustments to buildings because you literally connect it to standard plug and it works. And again, okay. These can be actually also interconnected to work together, but they can also work together with the portable simulator. So you can hook all of them together. And today, what we see on the market within uh, the planning of the budgets of Air Force bases and training facilities that previously they thought, okay, so we want to purchase this type of full flight simulator with dome projection. But today they are thinking more like, okay, so instead of the full flight simulator, which has dome, uh, dome data projection, we would rather purchase six to 12 of these classroom trainers, interconnect them, and then having the capability of train all together as a squadron. Mm -hmm. Because it, it moves from training like specialists, uh, uh, which operate only one, uh, function within the cockpit, let's say we train only pilot or and then we train only co-pilot. It moves uh, to we train the whole group, the, the unit, you know, so wow. they are able to perform complex tasks. They learn how to communicate. Uh, they learn when, uh, who needs to say what to have everyone briefed. And it's about communication between the the door gunner with the co-pilot, with the pilot, with the technician. So they all learn how to work together as a team. And especially with mission training, you interconnect multiple of these crews together because they are always going to do something together in a cooperation. And timing plays a very significant role of that. So with, sure. with these reconfigurable affordable simulators, that's something where where is highest benefit for for trainees. Very good, very good. Can you give us a, a rough idea of of price point on on the classroom systems if if, if you're comfortable doing so? Yeah. So the classroom system starts around one hundred fifty thousand dollars for the virtual okay. reality version, and it ends around three hundred thousand dollars for the mixed reality with the full cockpit replica. Uh, but okay. again, it depends on the type of the aircraft because some have uh, very a lot of knobs and instruments. Some have only few. So it depends. Sure. Okay. 
Very good. Very good. And have to really put these price points into into perspective as well. Right. I mean, what what's the alternative? Um, you know, additional aircrafts for uh, for training. And then, of course, you run the risk of, of damage to those systems. So, um, you know, really highlights, um, you know, the, the benefit and, and savings of integrating these types of, of systems as opposed to training uh, with with actual aircraft. Yeah, that's that's very true. And you have to count in basically the cost of one flight hour. And if you imagine that you would like to train, let's say, flight in squadron, so 12 aircrafts in the air, uh, only, yeah, it take you like, it can take you tens of minutes only to take off and align everyone in the air. And you will spend just sure. one hour on that. And let's say that it will be, I don't know, F-16, F-15. And we are speaking about tens of thousands of dollars per hour per airplane. So you will okay. be very easily uh, paying uh, cost of one or two of our simulators for mm -hmm. just taking off in, in Squadron. So that's where you yeah. see uh, the return of investment immediately. Sure. Makes sense. Very good. So that's the classroom systems, uh, which represent kind of uh, the, the next level uh, beyond the portable systems. And then I understand, too, that for specific clients, organizations and needs, you also have the ability to develop customized solutions as well. Yeah, because the uh, full facility or full, fully equipped facility uh, based on our design uh, normally includes 10 of classroom simulators and then two custom trainers. Uh, and by custom trainer, we mean it really looks like cut it piece of the real airplane. It's, it's a one-to-one -one fuselage with all the knobs, all the instruments, one-to-one, -one, including uh, eject button, uh, everything. And okay. uh, it depends on the Air Force, what they use. So for example, uh, U.S. Air Force is using T6 uh, turboprop for the basic training. So that means that our uh, recommendation will be, okay, so we will deliver you one uh, T6 fully equipped custom cockpit. And then let's say that this base is training F-16 pilots. So another fully equipped custom cockpit will be F-16. And then you will get 10 of these reconfigurable classroom simulators. They will be all interconnected. And the classroom simulators will then be only the virtual trainers that you can load in T6 as well as F16 as well as other platforms. Uh, but altogether, it allows you to basically give pilots almost unlimited time to train because they will be able to train procedures on custom trainers and then mission rehearsals on the classroom trainers. And altogether, it's it's very powerful mixture for literally fraction of the cost what you had to pay as the instructor only a few years ago. Sure, sure. Really fascinating too, um, the, the programs, uh, the, the mission simulations, uh, as you mentioned, and, and all of the different, you know, options and, and different scenarios uh, that are available there. Can you can you tell us a little bit more about the development of, of those actual simulated missions and the different programs for different types of aircraft? Um, how how is, is all of that developed? Yeah, uh, so there are multiple uh, very advanced um, IGs, image generators and simulators. 
because uh, to have a proper simulation, you need to have an exact uh, dynamic model of the airplane, but you also need to have maps and you, have, uh, you need to have a mission planning system. Some simulators have all of that combined. Some you need to uh, like interconnect to have everything under one, uh, one umbrella. So what we did is that we integrated Extal headset and our simulators with all the uh, simulator softwares and IGs that we know and exist. Uh, okay. To name a few, uh, for example, Bohemia Interactive Simulations uses one simulator which is called VBS4. And uh, this one has a very good planning mission. It has a lot of models. But for example, for the pilot training on T6, I will rather recommend X-Plane 11 because their flight model is much more advanced and you don't need to train weapons for that. So it really depends on the platform. And the idea is that we are able to install and operate multiple of these engines on one machine, on one simulator. So we are really able to cover any existing platform. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very good, very good. Another thing that that I thought was was very interesting was was some of your your systems and probably some of the more customized systems. Um, I noticed one in particular that that was on uh, a platform uh, that that simulated movements and and lights and had the ability to to raise and and lower um, and and thought that was very fascinating. Can you tell us a little bit more about um, you know some of the hardware and, and technologies in, in a system such as that? Uh... For sure. So you have two types of different force feedback. Uh, the one that you mentioned is uh, force feedback to the whole simulator, uh, which means that the simulator is mounted on today it's electromotors. A few years ago it was hydraulics. So that's also one part which changed and made simulators more affordable and much easier to maintain. So all our simulators are based on electromotors. And uh, we have basically three types of this uh, motion feedback. So we have uh, vibration, vib- vibrating pad uh, that allows you to feel only the little sensation. When you taxi on the runway, it, it feels the vibe. Or when before you go supersonic with the jet fighter, for example. Then we have this setup with four uh, actuators, four electromotors. Uh, on the sides of the simulator, that one I would say is the best for helicopters because you really feel touchdown. You feel when you when you lose the the ground, uh, the sensation of the ground, uh, and it also allows you to r- rotate a little bit, pitch, rot, your all of these. So that's very good for helicopters. But the, the biggest sensation you can have today is on huge hexapod. Uh, like we did, for example, for F-16 simulator. And that one, when you enter and you are climbing these stairs, you get scared. You, you really get scared on the similar level as in the in the airplane because you know that when something goes wrong on this one, you will be literally catapulted out. So it needs to have a lot of uh, security uh, security. Um, passes, uh, certification, etc. Uh, but the thing is that on the big one, you really feel when you move the acceleration for a slight moment, but it's there. 
and that that gives you this extra additional immersion. Hmm. In addition, in addition to that, there is also another type of force feedback, uh, which is on controllers, because you can have controllers which have zero uh, force feedback. So you you move and uh, you move them, and basically there is just the string with uh, static force uh, that pulls you back. But then you can have uh, proper force feedback controllers which is very important, for example, for helicopter pilots, because you have this pilot-co-pilot setup. And when one is moving with cyclic or collective, uh, the other should move as well. And with these advanced systems, what we are able to do is, again, connect you with the instructor. And when the instructor pulls or moves uh, collective or cyclic, you will feel that. It will move on your side as well. And that's how you learn and how you progress. But again, of course, it's it's more uh, more expensive, but it's still very affordable. Yes, yes, very much so. Yeah, re- very affordable, relatively for sure. Um, it's it's amazing where where the technology is at today, and and I think that you and your organization have confirmed for us uh, within today's podcast that that we really are there in terms of of simulation uh, systems that that provide such a, a real experience. Um, I can't imagine uh, outside of the industry and the technology uh, much room for improvement, but but like any technology, I'm I'm sure that there is. Where do you see simulation products and technologies uh, going? Um, how, do, how do they continue to advance and where do you see things moving to within, you know, maybe the next few years? Uh, you know, what I believe is that uh, within few years, let's say three to five years, we will achieve unrecognizable simulation. So you put on the, the headset, you start application and you wouldn't be able to tell the difference between the reality and what's simulated. And what I believe will happen then, uh, and that's very relevant to the transformation of transport industry in general, is that uh, we will start removing operators from trains, from cranes, from excavators, from buses, from... uh, Today, we already have drones which are being operated remotely. But that's how I envision this transformation within the industry in the future. So you will have these hubs, these operating centers, where are super skilled, for example, excavator operators. And they put on the headset and they uh, connect to one working site in Dallas, Texas, and do their work. And then they connect to another job in, in New York and continue within working until the Dallas part, for example, the, the uh, big trucks move the, the, uh, the sand somewhere else and they can continue. And you will have these centers that are interconnected and you will get rid of the, of the operations on the side to remote operations. And you will be able to be much more efficient Uh, You will be able to have much more educated operators and you will save a lot of cost because we all know that today it's mostly about getting uh, people paid uh, on the cost side uh, rather than purchasing the technology because the the pure uh, reason of the technology is to make all the processes more smooth and cheaper. 
So that's where I envision the transportation and uh, virtual and mixed reality within the next few years. Very good. Uh, amazing that you see that happening within aviation. Just as you said, you know, we're seeing that in drone technologies today, certainly see it in trucking and marine and rail. So to hear that it's uh, it's most likely moving in that direction in aviation is, is fascinating. And, and do you see that happening in, in both the, the, the private sector, you know, commercial airlines, for example, as, as well as military uh, flight as well? You, you see potential for, for maybe the remote or autonomously controlled, um, you know, aircraft within within both public and private sectors uh in the in the private sector it takes much longer because you need certifications within the military it moves much faster because they can do their own technological due diligence and basically start using the technology if it benefits them so that's sure. why we are growing faster in military than in the civil sector but Okay. Within the civil sector, there are companies that already achieved getting certification for the simulators with virtual and mixed reality technologies. And uh, I do believe that with the new, for example, eVTOL platforms, the, the drones like uh, aircraft that are built for passenger uh, passengers, uh, we will see that there will be, for example, one pilot within the cockpit but these systems will for sure have online connectivity and there will be backup pilot sitting in the operating station who will be able to take over the control anytime if something happens to the pilot or there is some unexpected situation happening. So that's what I believe in that eVTOL platforms will be the first one to basically get these technologies aboard on their aircraft. Very good. Very good. Well, so so as you as you shared with us today, um, you know, application uh, active projects already within the helicopter space, uh, within traditional uh, aircraft, the VTOL uh, vertical takeoff and, and landing space uh, as well uh, as you mentioned. Um, and I understand even that that your technologies um, have application outside of, of aviation and and even getting into some other um, methods of transportation. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Uh, so the, our technologies, especially the headset itself, the virtual and mixed reality X-Tal headset, is being used to all of the use cases where you really need this wide field of view and high fidelity. So for example, uh, between our clients, you will find multiple of uh, Formula One teams, which are using it to train their pilots or you will find multiple uh, car manufacturers and OEMs who are using it uh, to showcase the future concepts of cars to their customers. Because when they use our headset and uh, the latest simulation software, they get as close to reality as possible, meaning that these uh, potential future clients uh, who will purchase these cars will be able to give you a feedback few years before that car is even manufactured, which is a very powerful tool for any kind yeah. of product uh, OEM manufacturer. Definitely. Definitely. That's amazing. Well, can you tell us a little bit more um, about your headset? I mean, you really have a, an industry leading headset and technology and in use today, uh, as you've shared, uh, military uh, organizations, leading aviation, helicopter companies, Formula One, uh, OEM manufacturers. Uh, tell us a little bit more just uh, 
you know, why specifically your, your headset is so advanced and, and really is, is now defining what is the standard um, within, uh, within headset technologies? So the unique combination of technologies of X-Style headset is wide field of view and high fidelity undistorted image. Uh, you know, it starts with the high resolution display. So we are using 4K panel, fast switching panel, so very high refresh rates per eye. Uh, so it's very close to equivalent of 8K television that you can have at home. And if you ever saw the, that kind of television, you can imagine the, the data that we need to pump in in very high frequency. So that's, that's the first, I would say, uh, component which defines our, pro, pro, our pro, <laughs> product. So then it goes to the lens. What we had to do is we had to design and develop our own unique lenses, which provides almost uh, or very limited distortion and other, uh, let's say, artifacts. Uh, so that's, that's the key component. But to be able to even design and develop it, we had to first design and develop software, which allows you to design that lens because it's unique. No, no existing software was able to simulate the lens that we needed to, to build. And with that in mind, you, you connect these two and then you have to apply something what's called warping algorithm, meaning algorithm which bends the picture the other way that the lens causes the distortion. So you have really nice and clear picture and that's what make us unique and uh, I would say the most advanced currently in the world because our headset is really the only one which provides you wide field of view, undistorted image. And that's something what's super important, especially for pilots or for anyone who needs to estimate the speed as well as understand its surroundings. It's called situation awareness that you, if you are flying together, you need to know how far your your colleague is with the other airplane, how, how fast you can approach him, uh, and as well as recognizing the targets far, far away. And that's where uh, the X-Tile headset is currently number one in the world and why we are being uh, used within the aerospace industry. Definitely, definitely. That's amazing, amazing technology, and um, you know, as, as as we've discussed, you know, really is is the industry standard today uh, in in headset simulation technology. I, I know that especially after that overview and learning more um, as well about your company and and some of the different product areas and technologies that you're using, uh, many of our audience members uh, will be excited to explore opportunities to work uh, with you and your organization and purchase your products. Uh, can you tell us the the best way uh, to reach out uh, to you and, and your organization and learn more about these new products? The easiest way to reach us is through our website, uh, vrgineers.com, uh, or you can also connect with us on LinkedIn, which we use very, uh, very much for presentations, uh, as well as sharing the news. And another option will be to visit our booth at different shows. I mean, we presented at ITSEC in Orlando last uh, last year. We showcased new Ixtal at CES in Las Vegas uh, in January. And at the end of this month, within a week, 
we will be presenting, for example, at ITEC in London. So there are multiple opportunities where you can find us, where you can test the headset. Uh, even if you are from any country, more or less, we are traveling around the world, showcasing our solutions, the trainers, simulators and everything. Uh, so feel free to reach to us to ask when and where we will be presenting next time. And we'll be happy to show you show you our simulations and products. Very good. Very good. Well, I know audience members will be very excited to do that. And uh, again, just want to thank you so much for your, your time today and for the overview of your company and products and technologies. Uh, really uh, fascinating to, to learn about. And uh, just want to thank you so much for your time. So really appreciate your uh, involvement in the Are We There Yet uh, podcast today. And uh, appreciate you taking the time to share the exciting things that you're working on. Thank you so much, Grant. Thank you for having me.